Welcome back to the Fight Over Flight podcast. Our guest today is a starting outfielder for the University of Tennessee softball team. She's a New Jersey native, and I'm excited for you to hear her story. She's going to be talking about the life of a collegiate athlete, as well as suffering from what would most say a career-ending injury and how she was able to bounce back, readapt her goals, go to the college of her dreams, and be a phenomenal athlete and phenomenal softball player. I know you're going to love her story. Tune in and let us know what you think. God bless. Right, welcome back to the Fight Over Flight podcast. And it is an honor and a pleasure to have our guest with us today, Amanda Ayala. She, if you don't know who she is and you don't follow me on Instagram because <laughs> all I do is post about her, she's one of my favorite people in the world. That's true. I feel like I know you already <laughs> from following her. You just on met her. Yeah. yeah, so she is one of my favorite people in the whole world, and I'm so glad to have you today. Thank you. I'm well, happy to be here. Yes, welcome. Um, so we'll dive right in. Um, just tell for the people that don't know who you are. Um, what do you do now? What do you do for fun? Give us in the life of Amanda. Okay. Um, like Rob said, I'm Amanda. I am currently a junior in college. I go to the the University of Tennessee where I play softball. Um, you know, I'm from Bloomfield, New Jersey, uh, which is like 20 minutes from Hoboken. Mm -hmm. And um, I, you know, for fun, over the summer, I'm definitely a beach bum. <laughs> I'm always there with my dad. We're surfing out laying out uh, just having a good time anything outdoors I love to do winter time I'm a snowboarder I'm excited for winter break next week to start so I can come back and just hit the slopes with him you know family and friends my relationships are really important to me so definitely spending time with those people is something I love to do and yeah she is when you talk about outdoors yeah <laughs> like snowboard surf she could skate she could do anything <laughs> dude like it's crazy it's, like, it's just the natural, yeah. natural talent. You just pick up any sport. It's just fun to be outside. Yeah. I mean, I know when I was younger, it was like, the sun's going down, let's go come inside. I'm like, oh, <laughs> come on. Yep, she's definitely not the newer, newer generation coming out. Uh, where are she's you, like are you technically Generation Z? Yeah, she's yeah, 20. I mean, yeah. 20. Yeah, I'm turning like, turn like 21, so I'm 1999, so I'm, like, right there. Okay. I try and say I'm a 90s baby. When all, the, when all those tweets come out with, like, everybody's super proud of being a 90s baby, I'm like, well, technically I'm there, yeah. but I don't know. <laughs> That's how I feel about the 80s. I'm 88, so oh, okay. I'm yeah, the cusp yeah, of that. Yeah. I'm a 90s kid, though. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, it's so cool because she is athlete, like, to the core, dude. Yeah. You know? And now being at the University of Tennessee, so what's that like? You know, right now it's the holidays, it's the day after Thanksgiving. Um, how's it like being over there? It's fun for sure. Uh, right now softball is in our off season pretty much. We don't really start playing until February. So mm -hmm. in the fall, that's our grind time. You know, we're okay. practicing every single day. We have off once a week, um, lifting, running, all that stuff, putting in a few hours a day, just going after and just trying to become the best we can be every day. Um, mm -hmm. It's definitely – a job for sure, um, but at the end of the day, it's something that's 100% worth it. I'd rather be doing what I do than working a 10 hour shift day and getting, you know, right. paid for it. Yeah, I, I yeah. definitely. I'm a little bit ignorant to the uh, to the college sports realm, mm -hmm. so maybe you can kind of fill me in. But there's a lot of attention on you guys, just oh. in general for the sport, right? Yeah, I know. I know that um, most schools are big on you know football and uh, basketball, but Tennessee. One of the reasons I chose to go there is because. Their fan base is something you wouldn't even believe. Like, really? you know, they are so passionate about their sports there. And softball, for one, is treated as highly as football there. And that's something you wow. never see at colleges. Like, schools are football schools. You know, that's like yeah. it. 
Tennessee, you know, you hear about softball as much or more than football, and that's something that's really awesome, especially considering the fact that there's is a pro softball league, but it's nowhere near as high as major leagues. So right. college, for me at least, is probably the highest I'll go. So okay. I want to be looked at as a pro, and Tennessee is definitely the school where they do that for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, and if you – and it's – and she's being like modest and she hasn't mentioned it. She never really does. <laughs> but ever since she's been there, always ranked top 10 in the country. Oh, I mean, okay. at some point they were ranked two in the country. Like wow. we're talking about okay, all so the universities in the country. This might be a little dramatic reviews and stuff, but uh, who, are, who are the rivals? Like what's the rivalry yeah. of um, Tennessee? You got Alabama, Florida, you know, those are two definitely huge ones. Those okay. are always great games when we versus each other. So th- those are two big ones for yeah. sure. Yeah. Talking like the top teams in the country, which <laughs> right. is, you know, awesome, you know, yeah. to, especially coming from New Jersey to go down there. Um, so because it's so intense and like you said that it's like a job, mm. what would you tell the – the athlete now, whether it's male or female, that's in high school that wants to go away but scared to go away because they know they're not going to be with their family or their friends, you know, what advice would you give them? Um, See, I was definitely someone, because growing up I was always on the road playing, so I think starting at a young age doing that, it helped me um, be more uh, willing to adjust to being away from home. But I think that what ends up happening is everyone – for sure, I'm convinced, finds out where they need to be in time. It's like there's a lot of pressure um, when you're growing up and you see your friends committing here and committing there or just deciding where they want to go, even if they don't play a sport. Right. Everyone goes to college, you know, or, or for the most part, you know, you want to go to college. And right. whether you're an athlete or not, it can be scary going away from home for the first time. But I think when you end up where you're supposed to be, your friends end up where you're in that same place. And, you know, you end up developing family away from home in different ways to whether it's a club or a sport or something you're just interested in, you end up finding people that make it feel like home away from home, and you eventually adjust, and you end mm-hmm. up okay there. You touched on it a little bit with saying that Tennessee has holds softball to a higher caliber. What were some of the other like deciding factors that, of you moving to that school specifically? Okay, um, I definitely wanted to get away from the cold. <laughs> that was <laughs> definitely factor, definitely yeah. one. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I love New Jersey. I love the whole four seasons, but the cold is just something that I'm yeah. not, not friends with me. But, There's um, no point for it after, <laughs> yeah. after January? Yeah, so going down south um, was something that interested me just weather-wise. Um, and I, like I said, I wanted to go to a place that I felt like I was home when I wasn't home. And um, when I went to Tennessee, they always talk about when you go to different colleges, there's this it factor. You know when you're there, and no one can ever explain it to you what it is. That's mm-hmm. a funny thing. It's like, oh, what is it? It's like, oh, you just know, you just know. And it's just like, but what do you mean? Like, <laughs> how can you just know? You can kind of visualize yourself there. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I think what that feeling for me, I think it's in for everybody. I think that's why they have a hard time explaining what it is. Mm-hmm. But for me, at least, the way I can best describe it is once I left, I instantly wanted to go back. And, mm-hmm. wow. you know, when I left, I felt like I was missing something when I wasn't there. Right. So. That's how I would describe that it factor for me. I didn't get that when I went to some other places, and that that's how I knew that Tennessee was where I needed to go. I love that. Yeah, and with also because this is a Christian-based podcast, she is a Christian, which is oh, amazing great. and awesome. Yes, baptized last April. That's oh, right. Congratulations. Yeah, thank yep. you. Um, and but they're also down south. You know mm. how the south is. It's like God yeah. and family are like the yeah. first two things that are important. For sure. And, you know, they have... And grits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's like a close third. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, her going, you know, does that, did that play a factor with the coaches and the team atmosphere? Because when you went down for your recruitments, you had to meet with teammates and people mm-hmm. who were going to be there. And you went to different 
you know, school recruitment. She was recruited, again, she's modest. She was recruited <laughs> by over 20, like, top, top Number Division one, fan, one schools. Right? Yeah, 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 seriously. Yeah, trust me. Trust me. Like, like top schools in – because I've been around some elite athletes right. and people who've even gone pro. And I always say it that I feel bad that they don't have a Major League Baseball like Major League Baseball does. Right. Because she is a – in the physical sense and in the mental sense, more mm-hmm. superior than people that I know that are professionals. Wow. So pro athletes, and I've always looked at her that way. So, you know, to, so that's a big thing. Yeah. And, and they're, they're grounded in faith. Would, was that like a, like also a deciding factor for you? No, yeah. I mean, at the time, um, I know that I grew up in a household where like my parents kind of left it up to choice. It wasn't mm-hmm. one of those things where you had to go to church every Sunday or you had to read the Bible every day. Um, which is something I really like thinking on it now because it kind of gave my sister and I that like freedom of choice. And, you know, it was one of those things where if we were going to develop a relationship with God, it was because we wanted to seek him rather than it being forced upon us. And I think that's more valuable than if it's just thrown on you. I feel like I know a couple of people who it was thrown on them and then they go to resent him just because it was always so forced. So um, going down South to where they definitely do put faith first, um, it was definitely different for me, and it was something that sparked my interest for sure. And it didn't take long, cause, and it's not just from the coaches either. Like, my first experience going to church there was a set of teammates encouraged me to go with them. And oh, wow. the church that we go to down there, it's actually funny. This is the shirt I'm wearing. Nice. Um, they call it the walk. <laughs> and the walk. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's a place where it, literally it's all college students. Oh, wow. So they have a service in the morning, which is for everyone else, and then I mean, we could go if we wanted to, but at night, it's literally just dedicated to college students. So you have, and you'd be surprised how packed this room gets. Like, I'm sure. They just finished moving last year. It was at a smaller place, and now we're at an even bigger area, and they fill up like you wouldn't believe. And just the atmosphere there is something just, oh, it's, it gives me chills <laughs> thinking about it, really. Yeah, um, you, you have a bunch of people there that are there because they want to be, like, they mm-hmm. actually are, are passionate about exactly. it yeah. no parents are there to tell you to go and right. it's sunday nights at like eight so it's one of those things where you know you could choose to oh my favorite tv show comes on at eight tonight you right. know things like that right. but you know just the amount of people that just i'm excited every week to go there that's the best way to start my week and um so yeah definitely the whole faith aspect is something else that for sure gravitated me towards there yeah it's amazing yeah let's go back a little bit and talk about um just your journey into sports and in, in general <laughs> When was like the first time that you that you felt like, all right, I think softball is going to be my sport. That's what I'm going to be. That's what I'm best at. All right. Um, well, yeah. So I played a bunch of different sports growing up. I started baseball with t-ball when I was what five. Is that usually mm. when you do yep. it about there? Right. Um, baseball first. Um, then at one point I was playing baseball and softball at the same time. It was when I was like eight. I, I think it was eight t- when I tried out for my first travel softball team. And it's funny. I would go from playing a softball t- tournament and then I'd come for a baseball game in the same day and I'd have to deal with the whole ball size difference <laughs> and base difference yeah. like it, it was funny right. um but yeah so I played that once I got a little older I started basketball played soccer also um gave up soccer for softball because I was already playing travel ball so the schedules really did not go well together oh, wow. um and then yeah so I played basketball and softball pretty much all through elementary school middle school and high school and then um, I want to say it was seventh slash eighth grade when I finally got on to my last travel ball team, mm-hmm. which is considered a showcase team where we play in tournaments all across the country in front of college coaches. So you go from playing 
closer to home where the objective is to win the tournament to mm. kind of, I mean, obviously you still want to win, but it's an area and atmosphere where you get to play in front of schools that you might want to go to where they can assess your ability, see what you do, when you do well, see how you do when you don't do well and things like that. Right. Um, so it wasn't until, so eighth grade is when I kind of, got looked at for the first time and everyone was always would always talk about oh I see like this potential in you like you can do big things and like he said before I'm more on the humble side so like it wasn't until then that I kind of was like okay like everybody's saying this to me but now a coach is actually reaching out like okay maybe I actually could you know maybe I do see what they see um so eighth grade was when softball like really started to get even more serious for me um and then I'd say, I mean, I, I committed to Tennessee sophomore year of high school. Really? Yeah, it was. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, at that point, I knew that, like, softball was definitely it. Like, I was still playing basketball, but it was more fun at that point just right. to, to be able to play on a team with my friends from high school because mm. they weren't, on, you know, on teams with me when I played softball. So it was just a way to uh, do something else so that my mind wasn't always, 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 always on softball. Mm. You know, it was, it's good to get a little mix in of different things here right. and there. Um, so that definitely kept it fun. It kept me in shape in the wintertime when things are slower for softball. So, but yeah, I mean, by high school, I pretty much knew that softball was going to be my way to go. Yeah, wow. It's funny. She says sophomore year. I remember when you made the like little highlight oh, reel. Yeah. <laughs> so there was like a highlight reel and you know, cause you want to post, cause we the social media, you post it like to right. announce what school you're going to. And it was <laughs> like 20 schools that were interested in her and it's like, boom, 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 boom. And there was a question mark. And then she was wearing her, t- like it was it stopped for a second. <laughs> and then boom, it showed her wearing her Tennessee gear. But people couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't believe I it. I wish like I knew anything by sophomore year of high school. I <laughs> right. what college I was going to go to. Right. Okay, I know. It's crazy, man. Um, and it's a good way to segue into, into like the deep parts of now this episode. Because sophomore year in high school, you did have all, all these people, all these schools wanting you to play top schools in the country. You were kind of, your trajectory in life was going up and up and up. And I witnessed it firsthand. And now talk about the most traumatic experience, you know, of your life and how, you know, well, just explain it. I'll let you explain it. But what happened after your sophomore year, after you already verbally committed to Tennessee and you knew what you wanted in your life? Yeah, so at that time, it'll be important for later. But so I said I committed to Tennessee. And like you said, it was a verbal commitment. So you don't get to sign your national letter of intent until senior year. So what that means is that you're basically – giving your school, like, okay, I go want to go here. I'm stopping my recruiting process from everyone else. But it, it really is, like, a verbal thing. So at that point, a coach could later on say, you know what, I mean, you hope that doesn't happen to you, but, you know, we, we found other talent or money isn't there. I'm sorry, but, you know, or sometimes what happens is coaches leave, a new coach comes in, and they didn't recruit you, so it's like, sorry right. type thing. And vice versa, an athlete could say, you know what, I don't think Tennessee should be anymore. You know, it's not, I'm going to open my Exactly. Yeah, right. So uh, junior year of high school, I was coming off of an Achilles strain that I suffered from in the fall playing softball. I slimmed to home and then, you know, just messed it up there. And then um, I finally came back, was able to start running again. And it was January. Uh, yeah, very beginning of January. I was training at a facility for the upcoming season, I was doing a drill similar to suicides. And at the I had four. I remember I was on my last one. And um, my last sprint back, there was just a really loud pop. Ow. And I fell. But I'm, I can be clumsy sometimes. So <laughs> me, I didn't, think I, need, I didn't think it was me. I just thought maybe I tripped trying to stop. So I tried to get up. And then I realized I couldn't. And 
I was kind of like, that's weird, but, you know, and I mean, no one was there to, like, no one, everyone thought I was fine, so that's when I started to call for help, call for help. My mom was there. She was getting ready to pick me up um, to go home, and at the end, they compared it to, there was other people working out, and they said it sounded like somebody dropped a weight on the ground. Like, it was just oh, that loud. Yeah. Like, people heard it from across the gym that I was in. Wow. Um, so, they had, there was a physical therapy office upstairs, so people came over to me. At first, they just thought maybe I tore a muscle uh, because, you know, that's the most common thing that happens with running. So they're talking to me and trying to comfort me, but having gone through injuries before, it felt it didn't feel like a torn muscle. Um, I kind of landed in almost a fetal position with my legs, and when I tried to move my leg, it felt like there was pain, like, deep inside of my thigh. Um, so, I mean, I, at this point, had never suffered a broken bone, so... I wasn't sure if that's what it, what that felt like, mm-hmm. but I just knew something wasn't right. Um, everyone was trying to calm me down, and eventually you're still you're still in oh the yeah I'm, at yeah this I was point. there for a good amount of time. They called the EMTs who came. Eventually, they put me on a stretcher, got me into an ambulance, <clears throat> made my way over to the hospital. Immediate X-rays. Still couldn't really do anything about my leg at the time. In the same position I was in when I fell, and I just remember seeing the x-ray on the screen, and I was like, that's my leg? Damn. Like, what? Femur, completely in two pieces. Like, Uh, the hardest bone to mm -hmm. break in your body. Strongest bone in your body. Completely in half, like, two pieces. And at that point, I learned later on that it was, like, a mechanism that your body does, but my bones had went from just being separated to kind of overlapped. Right. So, um... Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, yeah, so I noticed that um, my bones were overlapped, um, and then I just heard the doctor say, all right, you know, surgery tomorrow morning. And I was just like, wait, what? Yeah, they have to I was just, I was literally just working out. What do you mean I have to go to surgery? Like, it was crazy. So um, since my bones were like this, basically, um, overnight, the reason they can, you know, they had to do something they call traction. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they attached some contraption to my knee, with a string or rope or whatever it is, and they hung weights from the other side of the bed. Oh, man. And the point of the weights was to bring my bones back to this neutral position so that they could eventually, you know, go through the surgery. Um, and I, I want to I say it was 17 or, like, 19 pounds that they had to hang over the bed for my leg wow. to start going back to its normal position, which is crazy within itself. Right. Um, yeah, so then uh, next morning I was one of the first people in the surgery, and then I woke up, and it was just on from there. Yep. So you you look at your X-ray, um, and you, and you see how how severed it is. What's the first thing that goes through your mind? I honestly was in shock. I don't. I think there weren't many thoughts in my head. It was just like what? Like that's something you see on TV. Like right. if I showed you the picture of this, you would just be like, everyone that sees it, their jaw is just what? Wow. No way. That's impossible. I think, I mean, I'm sure, I know for sure my mom and my dad who were in the hospital had all the, oh, is she ever going to play again? Is she, right. Can she walk again? Like, what's going to happen type thing? What's going to happen with school? Are they going to honor, you know, her scholarship still, even though she's injured? Or if she does come back, but not 100%, are they going to honor that and things like that? So right. I th- it's funny because I get that question a lot. And I can never, I feel like I always disappoint people with my answer <laughs> because it's, yeah. it's not like I genuinely didn't, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I don't know if I didn't process it the way most people normally do or right. what, if I'm weird, but I just, 
I was just in shock. And then to me, it was just like, okay, like, what's next type yeah, thing? Well, usually when somebody goes through something that severe, it, it takes a long time for it to really set in. Mm-hmm. Like, this is actually happening. This is reality. You know, so I, it's, it's not a disappointing answer. It's yeah. kind of common. You know, you, you see something that's life altering and you're just like, I don't even know what to make of it yet. Let me just not go there in my head. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and being, and when you're talking about a st- uh, your femur snapping, like your femur breaking half, this is not an Achilles. Yeah. You're not, you know, you didn't pull a hamstring. I mean, this is serious, right. serious. This is injury. serious for this somebody a, that's not an athlete. Exactly. Yeah. Now, and it's such a freak accident. You don't just snap oh, your femur yeah. right. when you're running and stopping, you know? So there's, I know when she, when she was going through it, I was like, man, you know, Hopefully she doesn't have like something wrong with her bones. Yeah, like something, they ran tests. Yeah, everything. Right. Everyone, they tried to, to see if my that. vitamin D levels were mm-hmm. fine. All my numbers came back fine. People were always asking me, "All right, can you go run us through it again?" Like I don't know if they were expecting my story to change <laughs> or what, but no, yeah, everyone they heard it happen, and then in that way, and they were just all in shock. But yeah, so like snap your femur, you got to get hit by a car. <laughs> yeah, right, and even then, know? sometimes it doesn't, it happen. doesn't happen. Like it's crazy. Right. Yeah, so and I, and it's funny because she's not being with this part, like being modest about this. I remember talking to her and saying, like, I remember speaking at, I think it was your your signing, your, you know, a year later, a couple of years later. And in my mind, I would have been freaking out. Yeah. I snapped my femur. Am I going to walk? Am I going to play? <laughs> what's going to go on? Blah, blah, blah. But she was just calm, cool, collected. She was like, all right, what's next? Wow. Like, how am I going to beat this? Right. So it snapped right into, like, overcoming mode, kind of. Right into the fight mode. Right like, there was, no, there was no hesitation. And I'm like, that is crazy that a 16-year-old right. can just say, all right, now I got to crush physical therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like usually you get like to the self-pity. But from that, so now after the injury, there had to have been moments, you know, through physical therapy um, that you questioned, like, would I ever be the same? Or would, would I be able to play college softball? Like, what was your dark moments of, of that? Okay, so... I know you're right. There are definitely moments uh, where it was, you know, why, like, why me, like, why right now? Um, I think those, uh, so the bone, you just kind of have to wait. The bones heal. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the hardest to rehab was, so they had to insert a rod down, which I still have. So there's a rod and then two screws. So to get that in, they had to go through my hip. Oh, wow. So that was the hardest part, getting the muscles there to kind of get back together and work back together. I walked with a horrible limp for a while, and um, so there was that. And I guess just being so used to being at my top level all the time, getting knocked down and having to go to PT three, four times a week for two hours at a time, and, you know, just simple tasks that I you would think would be the easiest thing to do, I couldn't do anymore. Right. Um, I was talking to my mom earlier today. I couldn't ride a bike in the beginning, which is weird. Like you'd no, no. Yeah. Yeah. But like, so there's like the stationary bike. Um, so I was, I was home for, let's say, I want to say it was like two or three weeks until the swelling went down before I started PT. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the first things he had me practice doing was on the stationary bike. So I was pedaling and pedaling back and it was halfway. So I couldn't, I couldn't make a full rotation. Okay. So, and that was while my leg was still, so my bone was still broken. So I was able to go around halfway, halfway, um, and just little things like that. I'm just like, come on. Like, it's just, this is so simple. Like, why can't I do it? So things like that definitely um, I struggled with. But at the same time, I don't know, something just within me was just kind of like I, I didn't allow myself to stay in those moments for mm. long. Let, um, let's touch on that because yeah. uh, that's – 
vital. So obviously there is medical stuff, physical mm-hmm. training and stuff that you had to go through. But what were some of like, I guess the mantras is the word, you mm-hmm. know, that you would keep telling yourself to kind of get you through those dark places, times when you're hurting really bad physically. What were some of the things you were telling yourself kind of? Uh, okay. Um, I know you guys call it um, fight or flight. One thing that I kind of would keep saying to myself is, okay, you can either break down or break through type thing. Mm. And um, that for me was just something that I always said to myself because, you know, like you said, you can you can be sorry for yourself and then you can find yourself stuck in this position for a really long time. But um, I follow a lot of motivational pages on Instagram and Twitter. And another thing I always see is that you've made it through every bad day you've had in your life so far. And that's another thing that I think about all the time. Um, And it was one of those things where, you know, like they told me, you know, they were able to piece my leg back together. So why can't I take what they did and just, you know, piece my life back together in in a sense like that. Um, You know, they created the physical therapy is there for a reason. I know that there's people out there who have had much worse injuries than I've had, and they've been able to come back and come back stronger. So, so, so you were trusting the process yes, big time. Yes. It's like, if I do what they're telling me I need to, I'll make it through this. Exactly. And yeah. I, I definitely, I know that, you know, I was in probably the best shape of my life beforehand, mm-hmm. and I just used that as motivation. To, you know, I want to get back to that, if not better. Right. And uh, I just, maybe it's a competitor that's in me, um, but I definitely use that to, to fuel me forward for sure. Now with that, because that uh, to me, you know, I know that is a very, very thin line. It's not like I'm super positive and super negative. There is a thin line between when you get hit with a trauma, especially a sports injury where it's like, okay, how do I get better and like spiral up mentality versus self-pity then know pain meds addiction you know and then just spiraling down to where you see athletes that have injuries all the time that you look at them years later and their life is a mess Mm. and it is a thin line so for you what do you think now the listener whether they're in high school college professional they get this crazy injury what do you think keeps them on the right side of the line like what roadblocks should they avoid doing like mentally should they avoid um you know the the self-pity and that stuff like what what would you say to your younger self or to the person going through it like what Robux you need to avoid well one thing that definitely helped me get everything was my support system from family and friends I had people from the moment I was in the hospital to even now um that have just stayed by my side and have always shown me the bright side of things when I was feeling down you know from my physical therapist who I would end up talking to, he became my best friend. I was there all the time. Um, And, you know, it went from, he realized how important not only the physical side of it was, but the mental side of it. You know, if I needed to, if I was having a bad day where I didn't want to be there, and he could tell from the second I walked through the door, if I just wasn't having it that day, like I was tired, okay, we're just going to slam this medicine ball into the wall until you feel better, you know, like, (laughs) and then there were days when he knew he needed to push me where, you know, you know, it was one of those things I remember specifically there was a day where he had me doing hurdles and the way he separated a set of hurdles, I looked at him and I was like, dude, I'm going to fall. Like, you know, this is going to happen. And he's like, yeah, I do. But I'm making you do this because I need you to know that if you do fall, you're fine. Mm. So, you know, from him to my family and friends, I had people who around me always pushed me and made me feel comfortable and allowed me. They gave me some time, certain times here and there to, 
be sad, but they knew when that was enough. You know, they they it, they like they said they like he said it's impossible to just be that extra positive person all the right. time. Well, that's a common thread we've been hearing, especially even today. You know, in the last couple episodes we've done is there's always a space to really just indulge in like the sadness or the mm-hmm. darkness that you're going through and understand that it passes. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, like I'm accepting. Just it. kind of putting all that together. You know, I never it's really cool. thought about that. No, yeah, know. I um. I took a sports psychology class last year, and that definitely, I don't remember the exact length or the exact stages, but that whole grief and being sad is a stage of the healing process, mm-hmm. you right. know, and it's it's unhealthy if you don't allow yourself to go through it. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely one of those natural occurrences that happen, and you just kind of have to accept it. That's where you accept what's happened to you, and then you go from there. Right. Um, so, yeah, just... I'd encourage people to have a good support system for sure because that's, it's definitely, things are hard to do by yourself, you know, even other things, not just injuries, you know, when you go through something family-wise or friend-wise or even internally, one of the habits that a lot of people have in our generation is we bottle things inside and we don't talk about it. You push everybody Exactly. You Mm -hmm. isolate yourself and it isn't until you talk to, even if it's one person, that you're able to get yourself out of whatever it is you're going through. So I think just being able to trust other people, and it doesn't have to be a lot. You can have a small circle if those, that small circle, you know, is there for you. Um, that's definitely one thing for sure. Don't don't push people away. Um, that's that's definitely a thing that someone could do and that could actually hinder their uh, process and getting better and getting out of what's going on. Right. When they're Love that. And that's what we talk. That's like one of the mantras of the podcast is whatever storm you're going through, if you have God, if you have family that care about you or friends that care about you and then being able to having the strength to speak to them mm-hmm. because being open and being honest and being vulnerable is a strength. It's not a weakness. Exactly. And, right. you know, especially, you know, speaking like athletes and or just anyone, we don't want to talk. And when we're going through things and we just want to bottle it up, bottle it up and no one and you could have a smile on your face and people think everything is Fine. OK. You know, and they can say, oh, this person's going through, this person's not going through anything. This person lives an amazing life, but really is struggling. So having that courage and that strength to, to confide in people and to surround yourself by people who truly love you, I think that's very, very important. And I'm glad you said that because I'm starting to feel it more and more, right? It seems yeah. like the interviews of the people who have gone through something mm-hmm. extremely traumatic, they all say the same things. Like having that support system is, you know, is critical. Yeah, so... Because of the support system that you had, can we can we talk about some of those people that w- what were their qualities that they had in common? How were they kind of helping support you? Okay, uh, they were definitely all very patient. Mm. Uh, they all knew that they needed to go with my pace. It wasn't a thing where they could rush me, but at the same time, they didn't let me completely stop. You know, every right. day I was making. If I was making a baby step, that was better than going backwards. You know, like there right. are days some step is better than no step type thing. And that was something across the boards that I know that everybody was helping me with. Um, they all had tremendous belief, tremendous belief in me. And that's another thing, because when I didn't, the days where I struggled and I thought, oh, maybe like I, I can't do it. It was their belief in me that pushed me. You know what? These people see something that I don't see right now. I once saw it, I can see it again type thing, you know. Um, That's definitely something that helps me, even to this day, you know. um, I'm back to normal, better than ever. 
and you know I'm, I'm living out my dream in college and there's days where I wake up and I'm just oh, I'm so tired you know like right. this is day 15 like I'm just exhausted my body hurts I don't want to do it and you know I think back uh, to those people who have that belief in me and it drives me forward so that's something that helped me a lot for sure um they were all very persistent with me. <laughs> um, that's well, yeah, that's tough yeah, love, yeah, exactly, like, exactly. The physical training for sure, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, no, yeah, they just, they just all, they all genuinely cared about me, and awesome. that I could see that, and that helped me. Yeah, I want to talk about going back to all right. Now you're in physical therapy. This whole thing is start. You're starting your healing process. Okay. Um, what happens next? Where do you go from there as far as like how long were you in physical therapy? What kind of, uh, what happened with school, you know? Okay, yeah. yeah. So um, it was midterms when, um, I was studying for midterms when it happened. Okay. Um, and then I was out of school from February. I think I came back sometime in March. It was really a hassle just to think about like walking with crutches throughout the hallway and things like right. that. That was like the biggest thing. So I was out of school for a good amount of time, but they sent home home instruction people to help me with my grades and our classes so I could stay on top of my grades. Um, I got schoolwork brought home to me. I still was able to complete assignments. I had friends who lived by me who could bring stuff to school for me. Um, but yeah, so I was in PT from February all the way till the summer. Um, wow. Pretty much it, was more frequent at first and then became uh, I went from three to four times a week to twice a week um, and then I was able I was finally cleared uh, to play in a tournament that I had in July um, which is kind of crazy it's yeah. like what six six ish months <laughs> yeah, like less yeah. Uh, that's yeah um, and I just remember being so excited for that um, yeah. but yeah it was about six months of PT just going at it as hard as I could every time I was there I kind of just tried to let everything else disappear for those two hours so I could do what I had to do to just make even the smallest progress forward and just get back to what I love to do. Right. Um, Were you nervous playing your first game or playing your first season again and getting back into it because, like, did it pop in your head, like, oh, I can get, I can get injured again? Well, one thing that Joe, who is my physical therapist, helped me realize is that there was a rod in my leg and the bone – was now healed completely surrounding it. It can't break again. That's the one thing that he said he was made clear to me that my leg cannot break again. So, um, but one thing that he had me do is once I was able to pretty much do most of the normal mobility and stuff, he would take me out of our physical therapy place to a local field and we would throw, we would catch because he played baseball in college also. Oh, cool. So I'm sure it made him happy to be able to come back out a little bit. But we would throw, we would catch. He'd have me do diving drills outside. Mm. He'd have me slide outside just so that I could see for myself in a more of a controlled atmosphere and environment that I was going to be okay if right. if I did make contact with someone or the ground or things like that. And that definitely made me feel comfortable. And then before he allowed me to play with my team, um, he made me join a, sort of a local league mm. where I was able to play but not at the same level. Right just so I could ease into it also. And that definitely helped me too because I even noticed in those moments I was a little hesitant, but by the time I was able to fully play with my team again, it was more exciting than anything. Wow. That's strategy right Yeah, <laughs> no, he was smart We're about it. We're talking about like, yeah, and it's crazy that she was able to, you know, to adopt that. And then now 
that was your junior year. So mm-hmm. then you go into your senior year, and now are you more excited because you missed an entire oh, year of, of softball? So many goals in high school to you know break. <laughs> I wanted to break records, and I was you know I was on a good pace in high school to you know um, one of the big things is to get a hundred hits, and um, I also missed the beginning of like my sophomore year because I actually broke a. That's okay. Broke a toe, but that doesn't count. It's fine. It's just a little it's stupid a trauma, thing. Yeah. You'd be surprised, though, how yeah. much you need the toe, like your big toe. Yeah. Like. The critical, <laughs> ad, the critical. Though. But, um, yeah, I was on good pace to break different records at my school that I was excited for. So just coming back senior year, I was just like, okay, like what can I still get done? One of the big things is 100 hits in high school, and I was able to complete that, which was wow. really exciting still, you know, and, and – two seasons, two and a half seasons to be able to do that, which sometimes takes people four. Right. You know, that was within itself. I was still stealing bases, you know, doing all the things that, you know, someone thought, we might have thought, oh, she's not going to be as fast anymore. I was still able to do those things. Um, so, yeah, senior year, I was just like, okay, this is the first season. I'm with my friends. You know, high school ball is so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's more relaxed than college ball or travel ball. Um, and I just kind of wanted to – finish high school having fun with my friends, mm. uh, be able to play, and then when I came to travel ball, just crush it. Crush yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she went All-American. So really? Yeah, a year yeah, after. I, I did, wow. yeah. <laughs> so obviously Tennessee was still interested. At yes, yeah. they did. They yeah. did. I yeah. remember in the hospital when um, I called them while I was there, and it was definitely one of the more nerve-wracking moments. Yeah. I didn't know how they were going to respond there's coaches out there who say oh you're injured no I'm sorry but they completely supported me and they they told me that they had all the faith in the world that I was going to be fine and get back and better than I was before and that they were 100% behind me and I think that's another thing that helped me um, be able to get back to who I was with a clear mind I didn't have this stress of I have to get to this level. If not, I'm not going to be able to play in college anymore. Like, I didn't have any of that pressure on me. Um, Just they said, you know, no matter what happens, we have your back. And that's definitely something that helped me also. Yeah, I can imagine, like, the the load off off your shoulders just, like, hearing, like, okay, this isn't going to determine my future necessarily. And that's that's hard to find because usually it's next player up. Mm -hmm. Like, you get hurt at whatever level it is, typically college and pros next next person up you know it's unfortunate we're here for you we we hope you get better and we hope you have a great life but we've moved on but But we have a right fielder from texas right you know that didn't get hurt right and that's so that's so cool to to have and and for people to know that still that kind of foundation of being around the right people because you know it could be it and then what what i like though i always thought about this is that you have all these goals, and you could set this whether it's with sports or in, in life in general. We have all these goals we want to accomplish. We want to do this in five years, and this in three years, and be this, 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 that, that. But then something happens, and then that completely alters your path, and you have to figure out, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's a humbling experience, because you could have beaten that 100 hits as a sophomore. Like, if you had two full seasons, you could have beaten it then. And then you could have crushed all the records at the Paul Catholic and this big. But it was a humbling experience. Said, okay, well, you're not going to beat these things now. But now now what are you going to do? And you took advantage of it and said, well, I have a full season. And I'm going to be the best I could be this year. And, look, you made All-American. Yeah, I think that's important to highlight because it's very easy to just kind of give up that hope in general across the board. But just 
thinking to yourself that you're even going to try and still do those things. It's a big accomplishment in itself. Like I'm, I'm not going to let this detour my goals. Yep. You know? She just, you just readjust them. Yep. Right. Gotta switch you got to readjust bit. them. Yeah. Just readjust them and you keep crushing it. And also now, I know your mom sent it to me. I don't know. I think it was like five or six months ago. She was rated um, one of the top 10 softball players in the state of New Jersey for the entire decade. Wow. The entire decade. Yeah. So <laughs> from 2010 <laughs> to 2019, she was rated top 10 softball. Well, you know how many softball players are in New Jersey just playing in one year? Right. You know, imagine in 10 years. Wow. Crazy, right? Yeah, that's wild. It didn't really set you back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But it's, but it's what we talk about and the listeners need to hear. Yeah. We talk about this mindset shift. Because one thing I like, and I'm paraphrasing the quote, but your only true freedom in life is your perspective. Because I, You have no right? idea how often I use that. Yeah, like, and it's so true. Everything that, I, I wish I knew, heard of this quote back then, because it's definitely one that would have helped me. It's something that helps me literally every day in every situation I'm in. Um, it's that life is 90%, uh, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. And that's my biggest, like, philosophy in life right now. And it's so true, you know. Like, it's inevitable for things to happen to us, yeah. you know. You're stupid. You're crazy if you think you're going to go through life and have nothing but good things, have nothing but good luck and all that, you know. You know, one point or another, multiple points of your life, things are going to happen. And it's all about how you respond to it. You can take every negative and find some positive in it. And it's that positive alone that can help you get through it and – that's just, it's important. Dropping value <laughs> bombs, right? It, it, it is important. It's it's critical because I like, he, he talks about this a lot. It's like two people that do a Spartan race, right? Like the men. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> so I, I have a, a coworker that she, her and her husband did the Spartan race and yeah. they were talking to somebody on the phone and um, she put her husband on the phone and the guy asked, you know, how was the Spartan race? He's like, it was horrible. There was fire and mud everywhere. You know, my back hurts. And then puts her on the phone. She's like, how's the Spartan race? Oh, it was amazing. There was fire everywhere. <laughs> there was, yeah, it was, just, it was so mud or getting dirty. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, your only true freedom is that, is that perspective shift and saying, okay, I'm going to look at this and I'm going to try to find where I can be grateful and where I can excel in what new goals I can set. And for people to find that, it, there's no age limit as we can see now because the mm. people we talked to, we've spoken to someone in their 40s, I mean in their 50s, and then we spoken to someone, you know, we have friends in their 30s and in their 20s and you're 20 and your perspective is there. So if you're 15, you can have that perspective. And if yeah. you're 72, mm-hmm. like you can change your perspective in life. And that's something that we 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 definitely want to have all the listeners know. There's not just one listener that can that can benefit from that. And it is a breath of fresh air, you know, to hear, right? Like to Big hear time. from someone. Yeah, It absolutely. really is. It really is. Now, so with all of that, everything, you know, the podcast is fight over fight, and we we talk about that that resiliency, the fighter spirit, that kind of warrior spirit. Take us like what would the what do you want to tell the listeners, like on how critical it is to fight because you fought you fought you fought and you won. To us, you're a winner, and even though you're continuously winning every day and you're going through the motions of life, you're a winner, and you're a fighter. So, can you tell the listeners how important it is? To, to fight in life and to not take flight. Because we talk about when you take flight, hiding in your room, being in, I, in isolation, becoming di- addicted to a substance, what you're doing is you're taking flight in life and eventually it will catch up. So can you just tell them how important it is 
to fight through your struggles, fight through your storm, um, and not take flight on it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like I keep throwing out these cliche quotes, but they <laughs> help. They it. help. Um, I'm sure everybody's heard of, you know, the harder the battle, the sweeter the victory. And that's kind of the first thing I thought of when you just asked me that. Um, like I said before, it's inevitable to go through things. And maybe it's the competitor in me. Maybe it's just I'm wired differently. But I think that when, at least for me, when I accomplish something and I know that it wasn't handed to me or it wasn't easy, it just makes it feel so much better. You know, I'm so much more proud of myself for accomplishing whatever it is. And I think that for everyone, you know, I think they'll find so much more pride and happiness within themselves if they know that, you know, at the end of the day, we only have one life to live. You know, and you can choose that with every inconvenience, whether it's big or small, you run away and then later on live with regrets of I could have done this or I could have done that differently and I could be in a different place now. You know, I'm 20. I'm super young and there are still there's things I have regrets already on. You know, if you keep living your life in a way that you run from everything or, you know, you isolate yourself and you do this or that, you choose not to fight, then I feel like. 50 years down the road, you're going to have so many regrets. And that's, to me, living with regret is one of my biggest fears. You know, I want to be able to say that I've done everything I could possibly do and I'm content with it. So for me, I think that if you choose to fight with everything every day, then at the end of the day, you're going to be content with how you lived your life. That's awesome. That's powerful right there, right? That's a one-minute. I know, that's a one-minute Instagram. Instagram thing right there. It's like, hopefully it wasn't a minute and five seconds. Yeah, that's like a perfect it minute. It's, and it's, for me, it's inspiring to hear the guests, and especially to have you on, because I've seen firsthand, you know, since you were in eighth grade, you know, up till now, being a junior in college, and your story's inspiring. You're extremely intellectual, and it's it's special and that people need to see that people need to hear this. People need to know that they're not alone and whether it's a sports injury or not, any part of resiliency comes from that fight and they're the people who optimize their lives. So it was just, it's such an honor to have you on here. And I wanted you on here months ago, (laughs) but because of like the whole scheduling and, Being in Tennessee. College, you know. Yeah, college. Such an inconvenience. (laughs) They couldn't just let her out just for the episode. What is there anything that you want to maybe ask us if we didn't ask you or anything that you'd like to let the listeners know before we end? Um, Anything? No, no, not that I can think of. We covered it all? Yeah, I think so. Cool. Where can we find you? Yeah. If people want to know more about you, want to follow your journey through sports. Um, I'm definitely on Instagram and Twitter. I don't know if, can you edit like a name or something? Like, yeah, we can put it there. Okay. You can tell them too, okay. and then we'll, okay. put, it, we'll yeah. put it up so there. So Instagram is, Hold on, it's yeah, wherever it is, <laughs> right here. It's got to be right here now. Okay, it's good. Amanda Ayala, and so it's A-M-A-N-D-A-A-Y-A-L-A-A. Username was already taken, so I had to add the extra <laughs> yeah, A. The extra it's not a typo, I promise. <laughs> And then same thing for Twitter. I'm pretty sure I have the same name on Twitter. So. Cool. Awesome. And awesome. your season starts when? So people can follow you. Yeah, February. We go back in January. January is crazy, crazy part of the year. Yep. Super hard month. We're going at it very hard. But uh, first weekend in February, we open up in Arizona playing in cool. a tournament at ASU. How, cool. do you, how do you watch? Yeah, so sometimes it's on ESPN. I mean, you can live stream it on um, 
like online. I for the fight with flight community, once the season starts, you're gonna get sick. <laughs> Trust me. So you will know where to go. We're gonna turn into a Tennessee fan page. Here yeah, you will know where to go if you follow our page or my personal page. <laughs> Trust me, you'll know where to watch. Oh. <laughs> and if you aren't a college fan, this is a great time oh, to yeah. become a University of Tennessee fan. Yeah, there Big we time. go. Go Vols. Right? Go Vols, baby. <laughs> so, uh, Sorry, so, Rutgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a blessing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having um, me. You're the best. And everyone, like, subscribe, comment. Let us know what you think. Let us know how you if you enjoyed the episode. And uh, until next time. Yeah. God bless. God bless, guys. Yeah.